morning, Sunridge. Thank you, Ben, for bringing back an oldie on Mother's Day. You can be seated. Uh, happy Mother's Day once again. You know, Mother's Day is a, a special day here at Sunridge, and every year we try to design a service that both encourages and honors moms and yet resonates with everybody who's in attendance. And that's why I'm just so pleased with what our team has come up with this year because we launch a new series today we're calling Tenacious Love. You know, Tenacious Love holds on when it would be easier to let go. And it reaches out to those that we would prefer to avoid. As Christians, Jesus commanded us to love one another as he's loved us. And I think that we could all describes, describe God's love as expressed through Jesus Christ to us being tenacious. You know, it'd be really easy for us to sit in circles and talk about God's love and get all the feelies and the comfort and the, and the fuzzies, you know, but you know that when it comes down to really loving real people in real situations, tenacity is oftentimes required. I couldn't think of a better way to launch a series about God's tenacious love than to have you hear from people who are doing it every day, moms. And I know that you already know that uh, we have a remarkable staff here. I, I can stand before you and just tell you how grateful I am for the team that God has put together here at Sunridge. I am, I'm truly blessed, I'm so fortunate, and you guys are as well. And that is certainly true of uh, the women that you're going to hear from today. This staff of ours that are all moms are going to be on this stage in just a moment. And I want you to know that they are truly remarkable. They're smart. Each one of them is gifted. They, they're using the unique gifts and skills that God has given them to, to shepherd, truly shepherd this church in the areas that they, that they serve in. And, and they're a lot of fun, I have to say. And so I'm just so thrilled for you to get to know these women a little bit like I know them and to hear their heart about what being a mom has taught them about the tenacious love of God and so without further ado, I want to get off this stage and I want to introduce to you once again Pam Dvorak, our Women's uh, Ministry Director, and our panel today. Please give them a warm Sunridge welcome. Woohoo, that's such a nice introduction, Britt. That's so sweet. Okay, hold on, you guys, because this, I'm short. This is going to take a second. Okay. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> okay, so um, what I want to do is um, introduce you to our panel um, that we have this morning. You've already gotten to meet me, but I'm so excited for you to meet all of them. I am so blessed to be able to work with each one of these women. As Britt said, they're smart, they're talented, they're so funny. I am very, very blessed to call them all friends and co-workers in Christ and sisters in Christ as well. So you've already met me. You know my name. Let me just tell you two other things about me. I am a mom. I have a 22-year-old son and an almost 21-year-old daughter. And the other thing that it's important to know about me is that I am not 
nor have I ever been a firefighter. <laughs> Heather? <laughs> My name is Heather Fretz, and something that you may not also know about me is that I am not a firefighter. And I'm the director of Groups and Connection here, and I have two children. Olivia is 16. Where are you at? And Brennan oh, is 13. <laughs> and I'm Marla Pitsick. I'm director of Care and Help. And um, unlike the others, maybe, I had a long career in another field, a lot like Britt. And um, so I can truly myself say that I am also not a firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and since they gave me the mic, and uh, hopefully they won't turn it off, I wanted to say a couple things about the Care and Help Ministries. Uh, we have divorce care and grief share and survivors of suicide loss support groups, and I don't run the groups, but I am kind of in charge of the people who do, and they're wonderful, caring, and loving people to help you through those transitions in life, those difficult times. And also, I train and supervise the church counselors, and they're a special group to me. You'll never see them paraded up here because we're really dedicated to uh, confidentiality in the ministry. And so I've kind of figured out that we're so confidential that a lot of you don't even know we have church counseling available. So we want you to know that. And also, I do teach the marriage class A Lasting Promise twice a year. And so maybe that uh, is a good thing to see who you would be listening to and uh, taught from, or maybe it's not, but... Uh, that's the other thing I do here. So, yeah. oh, and I've been married for 29 years to my best friend Steve. I'm not sure where he's sitting. And um, my uh, two adult kids, Chris and Jess, are working hard at their chosen professions. We're proud of them. Well, I am Lisa Stewart, and I am the outreach associate. Um, I have three adult children and seven of the most far excellent grandchildren. Seven of them. They're very, very beautiful. Love them. Um, you know, as a mom, I put out a lot of fires. Come on. How many moms are you put out a lot of firefighters? I'm not an official firefighter, but you know what? I think we can call ourselves one. That's funny. My name is Lisa Owens, and I am the director of outreach here, and I have three kids. I have Jonah, who's 18, Mariah, who is 15, and Olivia is 13, and this is going to shock you, but I also am not a firefighter. <laughs> and I am not a mom. <laughs> ah! we, we could not resist taking the opportunity to make fun of Britt just a little bit. If you don't come regularly to Sunridge, just so you know, he is a retired firefighter, and it may or may not frequently come up in his messages. <laughs> so we love that. Okay, so to start off uh, today, I'm going to tell you a little story, maybe pull the curtain back a little bit about behind the scenes of how Mother's Day and this Mother's Day service in particular came to be, because it isn't what we had originally thought it was going to be. God has kind of been walking us through a, a, a process to end up at today. So typically, Mother's Day is super important to me. I love being a mom. I love caring for moms. And um, so uh, a few months before Mother's Day, Britt and Jed will typically come and talk to me, and we'll talk about what we could do for Mother's Day to keep it fresh and different and new and what the topic is going to be and all of that. So that happened this year. Britt told me about Tenacious Love. I thought that was fabulous. 
So I was excited. I fret about it quite a bit. Jed and Britt are like, it's fine, it'll be fine. But I'm always worried because I want it to be special for moms. And so that happened this year just like it typically does. And then... So, like she said, Britt had told us that the series that we would be starting is called Tenacious Love, and it would be beginning on Mother's Day today. And so we like that theme. We like the idea because tenacious is definitely a great word to describe the way a mom loves her children and also the way that God loves us. And so we started brainstorming, and we were kicking some ideas around, and we came up with the panel discussion. And I was thinking, like, great, I love that idea. Let's find those ladies to come on up here and be a part of that. But then Jed suggested that um, it be the five of us. And right away I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a minute. Maybe Jed does not have very good ideas. And you can see how that went. <laughs> so each one of us holds a staff leadership role here, and the idea is that we thought it would be fun for you to get to hear from all of us at once. And so as you heard, some people were not as excited about being up front, and, uh, and some of us were concerned about not making, uh, embarrassing our kids or our spouses uh, being up here. So we all, though, just took a stance of coming before the Lord and just being open in our discussions and on our prayer to him that he would have his way in this day and bring the message that he wanted. And so uh, we all got together, started talking about this, and we quickly realized that we all had very different ideas and emotions about Mother's Day. And, and quite honestly, there's probably women here this morning, and maybe you're not a fan of this day. And, um, but we thought, well, if we need to be up here, we at least want it to be authentic and acknowledge that we love being moms. I love being a mom. We love our children. My children are just the pillars of my happiness. I love them. But we also agree that, you know, motherhood is very challenging, can be absolutely exhausting. I was remembering this morning as I was coming here that there were times think my kids are in the audience this morning. But there were, there were times that I just wanted to march my kids out and sit them on the front curb with a for sale sign, you know, free, take these children. I felt like that. And, but no matter how difficult it is and challenging it is, um, you know, here we are as moms. We have survived this. And so um, today we just, we thought, well, why sit up here and tell you something you moms already know? Everyone knows. Every mom knows the joys and the frustrations of being a mom. And so what we ended up doing, we kind of settled on this, that we would much rather sit up here and focus on God's love his love for us and how his love has changed us and transformed our lives, not only just as moms, but as people. Yeah, so that's where we ended up. And, but at the same time, we had to have something for all five of us to say. So we got together and nothing seemed to be flowing. You know, we didn't know exactly how it was all going to fit together, what each one of us was going to say. And it was just, I've never experienced such like writer's block about what to say. And so we prayed together, we came together, and Lisa Owens said, you know, I had wrote, written down some thoughts. And so we kind of desperately were like, yes, read just your thoughts. Tell us what you have, because maybe we can build on that. So she reads us what she had written down, and we were like, 
wow, like that, she perfectly captured what all of our hearts are, what we wanted to say and we were just struggling to find the words for. So God had just led us to this place where we had said it was going to be a panel discussion, but Lisa, God gave Lisa these words and we want you to hear them and we are, our prayer is that they would resonate with you whether you be a mother or not as deeply as they resonated with us. So I'm going to just have Lisa take it away. <laughs> take it away. <laughs> All right, I'm going to scooch this back so I don't block you, Lisa. All right, before I start, would you please pray with me? Would you please pray? Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, what a gift it is for us to be able to be up here with you today. Definitely an unexpected gift. I did not see this coming a few weeks ago. I did not choose this. <laughs> um, but a gift nonetheless for us to be able to talk about what we know of God, who we've learned him to be because of our experience being moms and knowing moms. That is something we couldn't pass up. That is a gift. And so here we are. And what a really interesting thing when we start with what we have in scriptures, because in the Bible, of course, we see God the Father all over the place. It's how Jesus refers to God as pretty exclusively throughout the gospel accounts. God as Father is a metaphor that he uses in a lot of his parables. And it's how all the authors of the letters in the New Testament refer to God as well, God as Father. For us mothers, on the other hand, we seem to be given just a few tiny explicit acknowledgments of the way that God is a mother or like a mother. And this is despite the fact that we know that our God is neither simply male nor female, but that he transcends all categories of gender. But one of the places where we can go to see an example of a way that God is like a mother, described like a mother, is in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23. And this is right kind of smack dab in the middle of the account of Holy Week. And Jesus has already ridden into Jerusalem with all the triumphal entry and the palm branches and the shouts of Hosanna. And he's in the temple courts now. And he is angry. And he is railing on the people for their hard-heartedness. And they're going astray. And this is where you see a lot of those, woe to you, woe to you. He's just, he's getting after them because they're, they're on a path that's going to head them toward doom and destruction. He's ticked. And all of a sudden, it seems like we hear his tone change. And we hear Jesus say, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you were not willing. A different gospel writer, Luke, tells us that um, at this point in his grief, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. So there it was. Did you catch it? He compares himself to a hen, a female mother bird, and not a rooster. And so he's likening himself to a mother, right? I think a lot of us have heard this over the years. And for me, Frankly, it didn't really do something special for me. I didn't particularly identify with it because he's talking about a female mother chicken, and I also am a female mother. Uh, it just was kind of a hmm, interesting, kind of moving along in the story type of verse. And then, and then I entered into a season of my life 
the same season that I'm actually in right now, in which I am mothering three teenagers. And we can all kind of chuckle about that because, well, we have some ideas about what that means. Uh, but the truth of the matter is I, I've always kind of bristled when we kind of feel justified in speaking of our teenagers with disrespect or kind of eye-rolling disdain because of the stage that they're in. And today, I am unwaveringly committed to speaking very highly of my own three children, all of whom I admire and respect and am very proud of, and all of whom happen to be a part of this church family. And so a lot of you know them. <laughs> and so I will not be airing any dirty laundry today, I assure you. Um, but at the same time, uh, to be honest, this season of my mothering, a lot, along with all the blessings, brings with it a kind of pain that runs deep and that I've never known before and that I didn't see coming, despite the fact that a lot of you mentor moms and mops out there tried to warn me about it. I didn't see, I didn't see it coming. When I was a mom of young kids, the feeling that I got at the end of the night when all three of them were tucked up in their beds, all safe and cozy, and the house was dark and quiet. And I knew how safe they knew they were. I knew how secure and loved they felt. That feeling was bliss to me. I loved that feeling. And I don't really get to have that feeling anymore. And there's no more peaceful sigh of contentment at the end of the night. And a lot of that has to do, of course, with the fact that they are not physically in our home a lot of the time. They're out, they're staying out late, way too late for us, and uh, they're living their lives in ways that we don't get to influence, we don't get to control anymore. And I know that, <laughs> and that's right. But at the same time, that distance between us is often not physical. More often, it's relational. Sometimes, oftentimes, really every day in various ways, there are walls, and miscommunications, and tensions, points of conflict, and rejection, and rebellion. Our children are, in small ways and really significant ways, questioning us, and they're rejecting some of the things that we've taught them. They're making decisions for their lives in ways that don't always align with what we want for them and what we hope for them. And while I do realize that a lot of this is good and right for this phase of their life, I can know that intellectually, but the truth of the matter is, I really just don't care. I don't care. I hate it. <laughs> I hate this feeling. And I also know that I'm speaking about it right now in a very rational and calm way, and that is not how it's been a lot of the time for me. A lot of the time, I am totally freaking out, and I have cried in this season with what I can only describe as deep grief. Deep grief. It's not, it's not that bad all the time, of course, but more often than I would choose, which obviously is never, never. And I've looked into my child's face in this season when they weren't gonna look me in the eye because of some kind of wall between us or disconnect, some frustration at me because of some rule that I'm enforcing or limit I'm imposing or some way that they're just convinced that I don't get it. And I've just wanted to kind of take them by the chin and tilt their head up so that they had to look me in the eye and I could take them by the shoulders and say, don't you realize how much I love you? 
don't you realize how much I long for you to experience every truly good thing in your life? Don't you realize that from the second I knew you were in my belly, all I have longed for, all I have worked for for you is your deepest good and wholeness. Don't you realize that I would move heaven and earth for you, child? Don't you realize how terrified I am of losing you? And you know what I've realized? At the end of the day, the truth of the matter is, the answer is no. They can't know. They ultimately cannot know. Because they are the child and not the mom. Which takes me back to that story about Jesus, that story that never really meant that much to me before. That story is now carrying me through this season in my journey of mothering. Because here in this story, we hear God speaking through Jesus as the mother of teenagers. Can you hear that? First of all, remember that Luke tells us that Jesus is weeping over the city. He's weeping over his people. And we get that, don't we? Weeping over your people. And then we hear Jesus say these words, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. We get that, don't we? That exasperation mixed with longing as you sigh your child's name. Jonah, Jonah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm using Jonah in that example because I thought he wasn't going to be here. Sorry, Jonah. <laughs> He's supposed to be in Tehachapi for a mountain bike race this morning with his high school. And, uh, and so I thought I could get away with that, but it was canceled, and so now he's here. So sorry, Jonah. <laughs> okay, Jonah, Jonah. He's heard that a few times. Uh, and then Jesus says, You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. God, with that intense lament and grief, over his children's rejection of everything that he had done in the past to try to warn them, to prevent their self-destruction, to, to make a way out of their mess, to no avail. And here they are about to do it again to him, reject him and rebel against him in the worst possible way. They're going to miss this incredible thing that he's trying to do in their life. And while a critical part of this to realize is that in my case, I know that a lot of what my children are doing and asserting their independence in this phase is not sin. I do recognize that. It's not sin. It's just a normal and natural and good part of the developmental process. This is what I keep telling myself. <laughs> that is not true the case. That is not at all true when we're talking about God and his people with their relationship. Whereas much of my reaction as a mom it's just very human and frankly uncalled for in this situation. Not so for God and his children. Their disobedience, their rebellion and rejection against him, that's just sin, pure and simple sin. And yet what is his response to them? What is his reaction in this moment? He longs for them. Jesus tells us he longs for them. He longs to restore them to wholeness and relationship, to bring them back to him. He longs to gather them into the shelter of his wings. And you know what? I recognize that longing. I recognize it. And that helps tease out why this story means so much to me now. 
the story that never really meant to me that much to me has changed because of this new reality that I'm living. I heard in a podcast recently this guy say something that really resonated with me. He said, we do not think ourselves into new ways of living. We live ourselves into new ways of thinking. And when I heard that, I thought, yeah, that. Because it's, it's quite frankly due to this new living that I'm doing in this season with my teenagers that I've come to this new recognition that out of all of us, I am the worst teenager of us all. I'm the worst one of all. Do you remember that last week Jed issued us that challenge, that same, that same challenge that Jesus issued to his followers to go and learn. Go and learn what mercy is. Go and learn what grace is. And Jed reminded us that until we come to grips with the depth of our own sin, we will never come to grips with the depth of God's love for us. And so for me, quite radically, what this season has been is an epic confrontation with my own sin. For every moment with one of my children in which I'm confronted with something in them, something they're doing that is pushing all of my panic buttons, I very often hear a little voice saying, does anything about her look familiar? Or guess who he takes after? (laughs) What I'm coming to understand is that for all my frustration and anxiety and stress over what is happening with my children right now, the truth of the matter is that I am just like them, except worse in my relationship with God. Every horrible stereotype that you can think of in regard to teenagers is how I very often behave. It's very often how I behave with God. I kind of made a mental checklist of common stereotypes for teenagers. Obsessed with self? Check. (laughs) Lazy and apathetic? Yeah, lots of times, check. Willing to throw others under the bus so that I can have my own way? Stubbornly digging digging in my heels because I have to be right in this situation? Check. More concerned with looking good than actually doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. Check. And that's the first piece of redemption that I'm living in this season. I can no longer pretend that I'm a really great person. I can't even pretend that I'm a pretty good person, especially to my kids. They, They see it now. And that relates directly, though, to the second piece of redemption, and this is the piece that I like better. It's because of this heart-wrenching season with my teenagers that the love of God is finally clicking for me. The heart of God for me, his wayward daughter, is finally moving from my head to my gut. I finally get that in all my wandering, my running away, my hearing his voice but not heeding it, my reading his word, and then completely ignoring (laughs) what it has to say for my own life, my acting like he doesn't exist or isn't relevant to what I'm going for. What God feels toward me in those moments more than anything else is longing, longing to bring me back to him, longing to draw me near, longing to make me well and whole and healthy just like I long to do for my teenage children. Now that I've come to understand that in a new way in the last year or so, I've come to see that the motherly love of God is all over the scriptures 
It is not just that one hen verse that we looked at. It's all over. I invite you to explore and look for the ways that you can find it too. Just a couple of examples. Uh, Since January, our family has been trying to read through the entire Bible in a year with varying degrees of success in that. But uh, so we've spent a lot of time so far in the Old Testament. And that way that God has of continually making a way for his children, continually over and over and over again, making things right for them, making a way for them, giving them a fresh start, despite the fact that all they do in response is gripe and complain and scorn his love over and over. Who does that remind you of? (laughs) That is what moms do. And how about that part of Matthew 23, that that chapter that we were in before, right before those Jerusalem, Jerusalem verses? We heard all those woe to yous, woe to you, woe to you. All those woe to yous were directed at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, all those leaders of the people who were trying to lead the people astray, who were harming the people, and Jesus was infuriated at them. We have a word for that in our culture, don't we? that getting all fired up to take down the people who are trying to harm your kids. What do we call that? Mama bear, right? There it is. Motherly love of God right there in Matthew 23. <laughs> and how about the parable of the lost sheep? That good shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep who are doing pretty good and goes after that one. That one who is far from him and in danger. That is what moms do. Pam, you said a couple weeks ago that we moms are only as happy as our saddest child. (laughs) That's true. We all know it's not the happy and healthy ones that are keeping us up at night. It's that one, that one sheep that's in trouble, going astray, wandering off, far from us. As a staff, we have the honor of reading and lifting up the congregational prayer requests that come through on, your in, on the in-touch cards every week. And can I just tell you how often those are from you moms, crying out for your broken children, crying out for broken relationships with your children, working still for their wholeness and wellness, often in the only way that you can, on your knees. And while I do not want to take this comparison too far, And I don't want to equate the love that we moms have for our kids with the love that God has for us. At the same time, we cannot deny the holiness in this work that we do. When we open up our arms and turn toward those who are turning away from us, when we consider the lengths that Jesus went to, when he opened his arms and turned toward us, even in our rejection of him, What I've also come to understand is that this kind of longing for wholeness and relationship is what God feels toward every single human being on this planet, all of whom he made. It doesn't matter who they are, what they've done, where they're from, their lifestyle, their life choices, their identity. It doesn't even matter what religion they've decided to follow. He longs for them like a mother longs for her child, especially for those who are the farthest from him. He is gripping them by their shoulders and saying, don't you realize how much I love you? 
don't you realize that from the second I created you, all I have longed for, all I have worked for for you is your deepest good and wellness. Don't you realize that I would move heaven and earth to make things right with you, child? And actually, that's what I did. Because that's what we mean when we say that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But that love is not about an event, just about an event that happened 2,000 years ago. That love is today, all day, every single day. God tells us in the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, he said it to his people then, he's saying it to us now, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And all the moms here, of course, are like, well, no, of course not. But God says, though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. His eyes and his heart are constantly on every single one of us. Human moms fail. We fail, yes? I fail my children every day in small ways and really significant ways. And God says, yep, I know that. But here's what matters. I will not forget you. My love will never fail you. Like, a, like the mom who's chasing down her child who's running away. He chases after us with his love. Jesus is called the hound of heaven. And we all know nobody hounds us like our moms hound us. And I'm saying there and my mom is here. <laughs> it's said with love. It's so much love. Our God is the mother bunny in that runaway bunny story that so many of us read to our kids over and over and over again. And understanding that kind of love has changed the way that I think about myself. But it's also changed the way that I think about evangelism and outreach. I've realized it's not about bringing Jesus to people or sharing Jesus with people, as if we believe that Jesus, that God is currently absent in their life. And when we at, when we at Sunridge, we talk about helping people find Jesus, it's not as if we think we have to like come alongside them and turn over every nook and cranny till we finally spot Jesus because he's hard to find and hard to spot and maybe far away from them. Mm -mm. What we know instead is that the love of the God who made them is the tenacious love of a mother and that he has been right there with them since the very beginning. His eyes and his heart have constantly been on them. Their name is engraved on the palms of his hands. He is pursuing them with his love, longing for them, calling them home, making a way, and lighting the path. And that is good news. That is the gospel. Our evangelism, therefore, is easy. All we do, what we get to do, is walk with people listen to their stories, share life with them, and look for the ways and point out the ways that God has been loving them and leading them home all along. When we talk about helping people find Jesus, then what we really mean is helping them find his presence and activity in their life and in the world around them. All the ways that God is gripping them by their shoulders with that tenacious love and saying, don't you realize how much I love you? 
Don't you realize that I have always been trying to love you? Would you just stop running and let me? And that is the heart of our God. That is our God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lisa, would you close us in prayer, please? Thank you. I will. Father, what a good, good word you have given us today. Thank you for pouring it into Lisa's heart and giving her the courage to share it with us this morning. How deep is your love that we would be called children of God? Can we possibly fathom the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth of your love for us? How you call us by name, how our name is written on your hands. How you chase after us with your love, your tenacious love that never ends, always coming toward us. Father, we thank you for it. We are so, so appreciative of it. We ask, Lord, if there is anyone with us this morning that needs to feel that love, needs to be in the presence of that love, needs to taste that love, that you would make that possible, that you would just pour that on each person today. Lord, thank you for such a reminder. It's hard to parent, whether you're a mom or a father, and it is difficult, and yet when we think of the difficulty that you have also, but your love far surpasses and overcomes any difficulty, and you chase us down with that love. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that reminder this morning. May all the moms out here today have a wonderful and blessed Mother's Day. Lord, for every woman, for every man, for every boy, for every child, may you just fill them up with your love today. God, we just thank you. Thank you, thank you in your son's name, which is higher than any other name. We pray these things. Amen and amen. Amen. Yeah. I told you. I told you. I am just so thrilled to get to work alongside all of you. And I just thank you for all the stress and the hard work that you've put into this and your words. I, it means so much to me and to Sunridge. So um, thank you so much. Um, moms, I hope that you, you feel honored and encouraged today. And um, I hope that all of you have a sense of God's love for you. I'm not going to try and put a fine point on this beautiful uh, presentation today, but I wouldn't want anyone to leave without that assurance that, that no matter where you're coming from, no matter what you're, you're uh, experiencing right now, God loves you, and you can never escape it. So why try? Just cry uncle and give in. Um, If you're in a place in your life right now where, you know, life is challenging and and your love level is being called to the tenacious level, I want to encourage you to come back and stick with this series because we're going to talk about how God gives us the capacity to love in the way that he's commanded us to love. And uh, so don't miss any of them. In the meantime, I just uh, 
These guys will all be outside signing Bibles for you. Oh and uh, thank you so much. Let's stand and uh, let's just celebrate God's love together one more time.